When Lauren was growing up, she wanted to be a pirate, but she set her sights higher, literally. But the uh, main thing that I actually strived for was uh, to become an astronaut. And so that's what I originally went to school for was aerospace engineering. We discuss whether working in HR is harder than putting someone on Mars. Mars is, you know, it's math and science, which is hard. I'm not saying that it's not, um, but HR is humans. Hi, I'm Michelle Aronson and welcome to True Stories at Work, where we discuss the best things about working in human resources, the people, the stories, and the things that happen at work that we didn't even know about, workplace confessions. I'm a recovering HR executive, certified coach, and business school professor who knows that the best stories happen at work, from heartbreaking to heartwarming, from hilarious to outrageous. Now I help companies develop impactful people strategy and make great cultures. Today, you get the pleasure of meeting Lauren, where you'll learn how her childhood dreams of either being a pirate or an astronaut, landed her on a ship doing HR around the world. Her job blends two of my favorite things, HR and travel, but it's tricky. Work is personal and personal is work. You are on a floating box in the middle of the ocean. It's an interesting dynamic where we always try to keep the human factor out of human resources. And I think we need to maybe do that a little differently. At the end, You'll hear a workplace confession, something that happened at work that only two people know about until now. This one is mine. So let's get started. So I'm super excited, Lauren, to have you on my show. And the reason I'm so excited is because you have the most fascinating HR job of almost anybody that I have ever met. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself and share what your HR role is. And um, then we're going to kind of dig back. So my name is Lauren and I do human resources on board of a cruise ship. And so I travel around with the ship. And yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And by the way, you have the most beautiful LinkedIn picture of anybody I've ever seen. And I remember when I first met you and I was like looking at your LinkedIn picture, I'm like, oh my God, like, you just look like one of the people from the love boat with the ocean behind you and all of that. So um, you are doing human resources on a cruise ship. Tell me, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? The serious answer is I wanted to be an astronaut. The childhood fantasy was I wanted to grow up to be a pirate. So um, <laughs> yeah, both are kind of out there. But the uh, main thing that I actually strived for was uh, to become an astronaut. And so that's what I originally went to school for was aerospace engineering. Um, and then after three years, decided that wasn't for me. And um, yeah, but my original plan was to be the first person on Mars. Impressive goal, I will say. And what changed your mind? Sob story. I developed asthma. So it completely killed my chances. And then I got bitter and didn't want to help other people go to Mars. <laughs> so I did three years of aerospace engineering. I did a year of sports medicine because I'm a klutz and figured then I would be able to fix myself. 
And then I did business, which is what I actually graduated with. Uh, How did you end up in HR? By accident. I was in the fitness industry for 12 years and um, I was living in a small town. The gym that I was working at shut down and I needed a job. And through a friend of a friend, um, I met somebody who needed an office manager who also took care of, you know, kind of the personnel, HR paperwork, you know, and accounting and all of that fun stuff. And um, then it slowly evolved to what I'm doing now. My gosh. What sparked from you from that first job? Like, what did you like the most? I think part of it was the problem solving. I like puzzles. So when somebody would come to me with an issue, I like figuring out what we can do to solve the problem, make it better, just helping other people I really like, which is funny because when I talk to someone that's interested in going into HR and they're like, oh, I want to go into HR because I like helping others. And I'm like, yeah, you're not going to want to help others after like a year of it. (laughs) I see problem solving in HR and I also see it in how we would get to Mars. So um, I don't know which one would be harder, maybe Maybe HR. I don't know. We'll have to see. I think HR because Mars is, you know, it's math and science, which is hard. I'm not saying that it's not. Um, But HR is humans. (laughs) Math and science is at least mostly consistent, right? So we've got like that to rely on. Like if you do a formula, the odds are good it will be repeatable. Exactly. But in, in HR, it doesn't work. The same thing doesn't work the same on two people in the same family even. So, oh my goodness. No, the exact same situation and completely different outcomes. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So you got into human resources. And then I guess I'm curious, what um, what was your next big step into HR? So from there, I went and I started working at a Hilton hotel. So I was HR manager there. And then from there, with the pandemic, yeah, there was kind of a reshuffling in the organization. And so I became regional HR manager. So I got two bonus hotels that were um, not near each other. (laughs) So I was going from Central Coast to the Bay Area every back and forth every week and decided I wanted to do a different kind of travel. That's interesting. And then... How did you end up with the cruise ship job? My dream job. How did you get that one? So I was just applying to a bunch of different places and thinking of, you know, different industries I would want to be in. You know, for HR, I've always been in hospitality. But one of the things with hospitality is you're working when everybody else is vacationing. And so it makes planning vacations with friends and family difficult because when you can go, they can't and vice versa. I just kind of started applying as, you know, I'm not going to get hired, but, you know, it's a fun thing to think about and, you know, get to travel around. And um, then they hired me. (laughs) So was it what you expected? What was the first year like? The first year that I was in it, I had two contracts. I'm on board the ship for four months and then I have about a two-month vacation. And so that first contract was partly trying not to panic and reminding myself I know what I'm doing, learning, you know, the different cultures that are on board and how the different cultures kind of interact with each other and, you know, which cultures are going to be a little bit more upfront when there's an issue and then which cultures you have to dig a little bit more to get any information. My second contract was being able to, you know, dig into what HR means 
to people coming from different cultures and, you know, just kind of that dynamic of somebody coming from a culture where it's more of a do what I say no matter what versus a culture where there's a little bit more of a communication on this is why we're going to do something and trying to peacefully bring those cultures together. Yeah, it's hard. I worked in healthcare for many years, and it was in a very diverse community, and there were over 50 languages spoken by our employees. There are big cultural variations in communication, in authority, in all of those things. So what are your daily responsibilities? So my daily tasks are basically, you know, any employee issues that come up, um, they land in my office. So whether it is not getting along with their manager, somebody's bullying them, somebody's harassing them, not getting along with their roommate, somebody's flirting with their boyfriend, somebody is spreading a rumor about them, there's an issue with their cabin that isn't getting fixed. Anything that relates to the standard HR inside of a company comes to me, plus some of the personal stuff that's on board the ship that then becomes HR, which I think was something I was expecting, but not exactly how it's panned out. Yeah. So tell me about some of the things, you know, you didn't expect that were going to come your way. What what are those kinds of things? Yeah. So some of those are, I expected issues with roommates, but I didn't expect a roommate using the other roommate's hand soap to become an HR issue. Um, I didn't expect during certain times of the years, certain religions have different practices. And when you have two people of a different religion and one person's trying to sleep through the night and the other person is waking up in the middle of the night for a prayer session to become an HR issue. So things like that, I wasn't expecting to end up on my desk. What's the strangest thing that's ended up on your desk? You know, going back to the soap story, because this ended up with an investigation where security had to get involved um, because it started off with you know, they're using my soap to getting into an argument and getting in each other's faces. And, you know, both team members were from different countries, spoke different languages, trying to communicate in English and get their point across and be clear. And with this one particular case, as they're arguing, you know, one person essentially says, you're not my father. And the other person says, well, if I was your father, I'd send you back to where you came from which is not an okay sentence. <laughs> so then it became a discrimination issue that you know we're looking into. And so as we're going through this investigation and we're talking to both parties involved, basically we come to find out that what the person meant when he said this was, well, if I was your father, I'd send you back to your mother because she needs to teach you respect. Because again, this whole soap issue came down to a respect thing for the individuals. And so he was basically saying, I'm going to send you back to your mom, whereas the other person took it as a very offensive, racist situation. And so we end up with those weird situations like that where, you know, you always do investigations and then you come to find out, okay, well, it really wasn't anything major. And sometimes you do investigations and you're like, oh my gosh, I did not see this coming. So it's just interesting on kind of those dynamics where you're like, okay, like this seems like a really big thing. And then you're like, he was just saying he was going to send you home to mom's. <laughs> yeah. Go get some manners and stop using my soap. Yeah. Just go buy some. 
Yeah, yeah. And doesn't the ship provide soap? So this was some luxury customized favorite hand soap or it was just ship-based soap? Um, so the ship doesn't provide soap to the team members. So the team members, okay. we get our own, um, you know, stuff that we prefer. Um, but it was basic hand soap that wasn't, you know, a custom mm -hmm. thing from his home country or it was just he didn't want to share it with his roommate. Yeah. Well, it's like my old roommate that used to drink my soda or whatever. It's just rude. Tell me about something that you did in HR that really changed you. Yeah, I think the pandemic is a catalyst for everybody that <laughs> I don't think anybody came out the other side of it as they went in. So when we started doing the layoffs because of the pandemic, you know, we laid off everybody except for the general manager and the chief engineer because they had to stay and make sure that, you know, nobody was breaking into the hotel, that everything was operational. So we're doing this process and I'm meeting with these team members and, you know, telling them, hey, I'm sorry, we're going to have to, you know, lay you off. We don't know when you're coming back. Here's, you know, your final paycheck. Here's all the information that you need to file for unemployment. And they were thanking me. And it was surreal that somebody saying, you know, thank you for all your help and, you know, thank you for helping us through this process. And, you know, I think it it's weird because you're like, okay, you're, I'm expecting these people to be mad at me and yell at me and scream at me because, you know, I'm laying them off. And out of 105 team members, I had one person that got mad at me. <laughs> and it was, it was weird, but it, it really showed me that, you know, no matter what the situation if we're treating people right, if we're doing the right thing for them, if we're helping them through this and we still show that we care about them as employees, that, you know, they're not just another number that we're throwing them to the curb, it makes a big difference. And when we started calling team members back, you know, it really showed us the team that we had because of how we interact with each other. Um, this was, you know, something that was already bad and could have been even you know, kind of more traumatic to everybody. But everybody was helping each other out. Everybody was caring about each other. Um, and I, I think it kind of showed me there is a right and a wrong way to do things. And, you know, I am doing something the right way. <laughs> and, you know, I think the whole entire situation, like, really kind of changed my approach to looking at situations. How did it change your approach? I think, you know, when team members came back, there was, okay, I want to make a little bit more of an effort to get to know the team members. Um, because in HR, there's such a work is work, personal is personal. You have to keep it completely separated. And I think, you know, building those relationships a little bit more when they came back um, helped me understand a little bit more of who they were. And I think, you know, it made it where they're a human, they're a human being, and they're not, you know, just an employee or a team member or a staff member or whatever your company calls them. Um, they're a human. And I think because of that and because of the interactions that I had with them, like when they came back, I was like, hey, how are you doing? Like there, there was more of like a little bit of a personal bond and getting to know them a little bit more personally. And it's interesting because on the cruise ship, there's not much of a separation. <laughs> Tell uh, me all about that. That is probably true. <laughs> work is personal and personal is work. You are on a floating box in the middle of the ocean. And, you know, I'll have people come with complaints about their boyfriend and their spouse. And, 
you know, kind of everything becomes HR. And so you start having these personal conversations on, you know, who they are as an individual, not who they are as, you know, a cook or a front desk agent or a housekeeping attendant. It's, you know, who they are as a person. And I think that's an interesting dynamic in HR and, you know, maybe something that needs to be a little bit more normalized when, you know, somebody comes in instead of a, hi, how are you doing today? Like, seeing how, you know, how are you doing? And, you know, I think mental health is becoming more in the forefront of everybody's mind. I think the pandemic definitely brought that out a little bit more. Um, but I think that would also help, you know, making sure that our team members are okay. Because um, you can start seeing little signs when you know what their normal personality is and things are changing. And if you don't have those you know, conversations on to get to know them as a person, you're not going to really notice when something changes until their work starts getting affected. I think it's a it's an interesting dynamic where we always try to keep the human factor out of human resources. And I think we need to maybe do that a little differently. What I I think is compelling about your story and very relatable is the fact, particularly in the hotel, when you when you had to lay off all these people, it's how you made them feel that they remember. Mm -hmm. It may not have even been what you said, because a lot of times people aren't remembering. They hear like the first sentence and then there's this like, oh my God, how am I going to pay my bills? They're not even listening right. to you anymore. But the care and concern and the human part that you gave them is compelling enough for them to want to return and to build the trust between you when they come back, where, where they're willing to have that relationship. And I do think human resources is about relationships. I think people who don't think that are probably in the wrong part of HR. Maybe they need to be on the like system analysis part that's like working in the background, like getting the data. But, you yes. know, I do I do think the better you are at understanding yourself and others, the better you're going to be for your company. No, I agree. HR can sometimes be filled with heartbreak. Like, tell me about a situation where, you know, you thought it was going well and things just took a turn. So for one of my previous companies, we were, you know, in a recruiting phase. It was actually after the pandemic um, and getting things back up and running. And, you know, I had this, um, you know, individual who came in and as we're going through the interview process, um, I found out that, you know, a few years ago she had moved into the U.S. Um, she had immigrated over. There was a lawyer that was originally from her village in, I believe, Guatemala. And this individual had helped other people in her village get, you know, citizenship into the United States. And her entire family, extended family, had helped finance her to come over to the U.S., they were paying this lawyer so that she was able to be here legally. She got her social security card. She got her green card. And she was very excited because she was finally able to get a legal job in the United States. And this was huge for her. Um, it was, you know, basically her lifelong dream, her family's dream for her. And I was super excited to be part of this process. I was like, oh my gosh, like I get to be a part of you know, helping you with this dream. So we're going through, we start doing the paperwork, we get to her I-9 paperwork. 
She hands me her documents, and they were really good, but they were fake. And I'm looking at these documents, and I'm just like, how do I tell this individual this? Because you can tell when she was telling the story that she truly believed that these were real. Like, she was super excited as she was handing them over. And I'm just looking at these, and they were really, really good. I will say they were some of the best fake documents I've seen. And so just to kind of double check, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put them in E-Verify. They seem off, but maybe, like, maybe something's changed. I don't know. So I put it in E-Verify, and it comes back, you know, not accurate information. And so I'm like, I have to tell her these are fake documents. And so as I'm explaining this to her, she's like, no, they're they're real. Like, this is what we've done, and this is the lawyer. And, and I'm having to explain to her that, you know, I'm getting different information. And so when you do E-Verify and there's, you know, something comes back as, you know, not correct, it gives you, you know, information that you can send and people to contact. And so I'm giving her all this information and I'm like, I'm really sorry. This is what you need to do. Here's who you need to contact. Maybe there's a glitch in the system. But as I'm telling her this, I'm like, I know it's not. And it was it was heartbreaking to see the just kind of ecstasy that she was at and just her, you know, her dreams coming true to being the one to crush them um, mm-hmm. in a way, even though this person that scammed her is the one that crushed them. But being the one to, you know, explain you were scammed, you're not able to get a legal job in the U.S., and your entire family's life saving is gone. It was heartbreaking and something I hope I never have to do again. And, you know, one of the things that she kept saying is, but he's from our village. He wouldn't do this. And and that broke my heart even more because this is somebody that, you know, they had explicit trust in. They fully believed. And he had helped other people come to the U.S. legally. So he was a legit-ish person. (laughs) But unfortunately, some of the people that he was helping, he wasn't actually helping. Do you know how it ended up? Did she, do you have any other, no? Oh my gosh, it's just so sad. That is just heartbreaking. So I'd love to dig a little deeper into what your life is like as a shipboard HR person. So the... Schedule that we have when we're on board is basically 70 hours a week. Um, And so we can break it up. Typically, we do about, you know, 10 or so hours a day. But I make my own schedule. So, you know, typically I'll go in in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I go at whatever port we're at. I'll go to shore, um, grab lunch, kind of walk around, go for a run. And then I'll come back in and I'll, you know, work until late at night. Or if we're at sea, I'll take a nap. Um, so I kind of joke that I still get nap time every day. And honestly, on board the ship, it's kind of a unwritten rule that you don't reach out to anybody in the early afternoon unless you have to, um, because that's most people's nap time. So if they're on board, they're probably asleep. <laughs> um, after lunch, it's it's what we do. Um, it's great. I think every company needs to do it. <laughs> Yeah. And then after that, it's either hang out in the cabin or with my position, I'm able to go into the guest areas so I can go to the live shows. I can go to the guest restaurants. Um, and so, you know, just hanging out with friends like you typically would do. 
you know, going out to one of the bars or watching one of the dance shows or watching one of the rock shows. You know, and then we also have a few crew bars and that are crew only. So, you know, can get in our comfy clothes and just go and relax. And in a way, it's not really that much different. It's, you know, you go to work, you hang out with your friends. It's just all your friends are down the hall. <laughs> so it's kind of like college. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you have to write up your friends or discipline your friends or investigate your friends. Like it's it's pretty close. It seems close. It's very close. I am kind of picky with who I hang out with on board um, just because I have to be. And they all know that my number one rule is don't make me have to do paperwork. As long as I don't have to do paperwork, they can do whatever they want outside of work. But if it's something that involves me having to do paperwork, they know they're in trouble. Yeah. Nobody likes paperwork. Nobody. Not even HR people. What do you like the most about working on the cruise ship? And then what is sort of a struggle? So what I like the most is, you know, with HR, every day is different. On board the cruise ship, it's even more so because there are so many cultures and there's so many, you know, differences of opinion and different ways of doing things. Um, but then there's also when we're in port, there's different port requirements. And so when we have team members that are coming on board or going home, um, we have to make sure that those requirements are met. Um, also get to see a lot of really cool places. You know, the view changes. I don't have a window in any of my offices, but, you know, when I go to, you know, different parts of the ship and I look out or look out the window of my cabin, you know, it's not the same view every day. It's not the same, you know, it's not even the same culture every day when you go to port because you're in a different country most days. And so when you're in one country, you kind of have a certain way that you do things. And then two days later, you're in another country and you have to be aware of completely different situations. So I think that's one of the things that I like about it is it's never the same. <laughs> that's true. That's true. What about the harder parts? Like what makes it hard to do HR on a ship? The hard part is you can't get away from it. Um, so typically you get off work, you go home. And sometimes, yeah, you're still connected by your phone. Um, but with HR on, on board the cruise ship is when I want to go eat, I'm going into an area around all the other team members. And so I'll be trying to eat my lunch and, you know, somebody's coming up and asking me questions or I'm at the crew bar and I'm completely off work and I'm you know, unwinding, having my rum and coke, and somebody comes up and starts asking me questions and, oh, can you, I need to do this. And it's like, okay, well, I need my computer in front of me and it's not here. <laughs> so you, the only way to get away from it really is to just go sit in your cabin. And sometimes that's not what you want to do. <laughs> sometimes you want to be out and about, but, mm -hmm. you know, then you're still kind of on the clock. I think people think you're always available when you're in HR. You're walking down the hall, you're eating your lunch, you're at an event, you're out in public and they're saying, oh, you know, I, I'm glad I saw you. I, I have a quick question. And you're, yes. chewing, yeah, I, you're chewing your sandwich. Yeah, I, I was actually getting my hair cut on board. And, you know, the hairstylist that's doing my hair is shampooing my hair. And, you know, it's that like the most amazing part where you're just relaxing and you know, your eyes are closed and your head's just getting this amazing massage. And um, another team member came up and started asking me about something. And I'm like, really? <laughs> well, I worked in healthcare for many years and I got care where I worked. So 
Oh, I yeah. would be getting like a, a semi-invasive thing and they'd be like, hey, I have a question about my benefits. And I'm thinking, right now, right now yep. you have it? Like this feels very uncomfortable to begin with. And now we're talking about benefits. I mean, I think people just think whenever they have this idea is the time to bring it up. But sometimes it's not. Yeah, you got to read the room sometimes. And this was, uh, I was in a room, so it's not the time to be asking me much. So do you have any workplace pet peeves specifically on the ship? Well, I think one of my workplace pet peeves has been for every company that I've had. Okay. <laughs> All right. What is it? So it, it's nothing unique to the ships. Um, I think it's unique to corporations and their communication style with team members where a communication will go out and it goes out to all the team members and it has some of the information that they need to know. And then on the flyer or the email, it says, if you have any questions, please see HR. And HR got absolutely no other information. <laughs> I think that is definitely one of my biggest pet peeves um, because we can't help the team members with that. And it's interesting that it literally every company that I've worked for has done it. And I'm like, why? Like, give mm -hmm. us a little bit more information, preferably before the email comes out. So then they come to us and they're asking questions, especially if it's an email. And we haven't even gotten to that email yet. It's 30 emails down you know, from the morning and we're mm -hmm. looking at our afternoon emails and we're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've spent the last two days in that SOAP investigation. So you yeah. didn't even get a chance to get to that email about the company picnic or whatever. Yeah. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah, I, I would say that's probably my biggest pet peeve is just let HR know ahead of time. <laughs> I like that. And why? Who gets to assign that to HR? Like whoever sent the memo should be the one with the question answering instead of um, pushing it off onto HR. Exactly. I was on a cruise recently. So this is uh, interesting. Just a curious question. A lot of people are married. Like the captain was married to some other leader on the ship. What is the sort of stance on relationships at work on a cruise ship? Is it different than on land? It is very different, partly because you really only get to know the people that are on board with you. Also, partly we do try to keep couples together as much as possible. So, you know, we try to schedule it so that they are on board the same ship. We try to have it where it's not a supervisor and their direct report. Um, but that doesn't always work depending on the positions that they're in. So sometimes that's a little bit more complicated. So yeah, it's, it's very different on land because it's not encouraged, but we try to keep couples together. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's an interesting dynamic, especially when it gets into the managers and if, you know, the person that they're dating is also in the same department. And then it also becomes interesting when the relationships go south. Right. Always. That's always when it happens because 50% of them do, if not more. So, yeah. yeah. And then somebody wants to change ships and that's not something that we do. Once you're on board, 
this is your contract. Because if we move that person to another ship, the person that was going to be in that spot then has to go somewhere else. And it's not just a simple moving one person. So then we have to make sure that they are both behaving on board, which doesn't always work. <laughs> Do you have any stories you can share about a ship? Wait, a, sh- a romance shipwreck? There could be a whole book about romance shipwrecks, I'm sure. So to not give away too much information, we had a situation where there were two individuals, they were dating. One individual said they were no longer dating. Apparently, the second individual might not have gotten the memo or didn't understand the memo or was ignoring it. We're not really sure. He was still saying that they were dating. She started dating somebody else, and um, it ended up with a really bad situation where the first boyfriend let himself into an area that he was not supposed to be because the other two were in that area. And um, end result was there was a termination because of this whole situation and what happened. And it's interesting when somebody gets fired because of a personal relationship. But yeah, definitely broke a few security protocols and uh, wasn't where he was supposed to be to get to these other two people and and started a fight on top of it. So <laughs> yeah. love triangles are the most memorable for me. I mean, just the just the extent that they go to, um, it's incredible. But if you break up on a ship, I think there's only like there was only like nine floors on the ship I was on. So, you know, good luck underneath the star. I know. It's beautiful. I watch the love boat. I've been on cruises. I see how things go. I watch. Oh, wait, I watch below deck. Oh, my sister loves that show. What's the favorite place that you visited? Oh, that's a good question. But one of my favorite places that I've visited, um, and this is just because I'm a crazy cat lady is in Iceland. There's cats all over the place and they are the most friendly cats. They're house cats that just, you know, wander around during the day. And so I made a lot of cat friends (laughs) and I got to pick up a bunch of cats and snuggle with cats. And so it's a really weird reason for that to be one, like my favorite place, but, and it's beautiful. Like it's absolutely amazing. It has a completely different energy and just, you know, kind of vibe to it, I guess, um, mm-hmm. my Californianess is showing. Um, but it's just, you know, it's kind of mythical, it seems like. But yeah, like there's cats all over the place. It was great. That is hilarious. Well, I would say that you you are a pirate. So maybe you, you're one of the people that actually achieved their career goals. You know, you're traveling yeah. the world on a ship. And um, so, yeah. Do you have any questions for me? What made you start the podcast? I think a couple of things. First of all, I loved to go to HR events over drinks and hear people's stories. I just think they're so compelling and they say so much about like the hard things that we face as HR people. And also you can learn so much and they're entertaining. I just thought a podcast would be a great way. It feels like Sometimes HR people are pretty isolated, and so just a way to connect me to other HR people, connect HR people to each other, 
share great stories that most people don't know in a way that is respectful of the work we do and um, and the talent we bring to the workplace every day. So yeah, I love stories and I love people. So let's just nice. smush them together. That works. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you trusting me and uh, sharing your stories today. You've been a lovely guest. I'm grateful. And thanks for, thanks for your time and energy. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. We've all done something bad at work, but here's your chance to confess. From small wrongs like borrowing office supplies to simplify your back-to-school shopping or snacking on a co-worker's lunch to the major workplace sins, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll type. Here is today's Conscious Clearing Confession. I took over customer experience and made a land grab, technically an office grab, for the office next to my HR department for this new team. I wanted to be very connected and supportive of this new essential team between customer experience, and employee experience, I was now responsible for 50% of the leadership incentive. So there was a level of intensity to make them successful, align them with HR, and our company culture. My only concern was the office I was persistently pursuing, and quite frankly, the only option on my floor had a 20-year history of being inhabited by lower-performing employees. And the energy history of this office worried me. So on a Sunday after yoga and before my new team moved in, I walked into the office with a match and a stick of sage to clear the energy. The reason I'm confessing this is that it was a healthcare company, and there were very clear rules about fire, smoke, and safety was the most important value. We were in a non-patient building, and I really needed to clear the air to bring some new energy in the space. So I did it. I saged the office. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I still did it. I did tell the team that moved into this space that I did it, even though they likely thought I was insane. I just wanted them to know in case they felt any negative energy in this space and I needed to resage. But I didn't tell anybody else. The team I hired was amazing. They really changed the energy of not only that space, but also the customer experience program. Who knows if it was necessary to sage, but I needed to do everything I could to help this team and the company be successful. Now clear your conscience by submitting your workplace confession at physicsatwork.com slash podcast. Well, that's all for today's episode of True Stories at Work. Thank you to Lauren for joining me today. If you work in HR and have a story to share, please visit my website, physicsatwork.com slash podcast. To share your story, make an anonymous workplace confession, or drop a piece of HR wisdom that I can share on the show. 
Stories are what people remember and how we connect, so please share yours with me. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with an HR friend. Thanks for listening. Haiku for Lauren. Lauren is not a pirate, but achieves her HR dreams as she sees the world.